I couldn't tell if you hated me or you liked me. On the beginning, I didn't like it at all. Yeah. I, everybody I don't like. It's like, let me see what you're made of first before I make my decision. That's how I look at it, because we're there to protect the patient from mm. you guys. <laughs> Virginia Carlton Beck is a nurse with nearly 50 years of medical experience, both in hospital and outpatient. Over the last year, she began to have debilitating back pain that limited her ability to deliver the stellar care she was known for the last half century. You may have seen Ginny in my Day in the Life videos, given that she also happens to be the nurse that I've worked with for the last decade. So when I found out that she was in pain, not being helped by doctors, and was ready to go for surgery, I knew I had to step in and figure out what was going on. This intimate conversation will cover the decade-long journey while we work together, the nursing profession, and her horrendous experience dealing with doctors who apparently forgot their oath to help their patients. I hope you're not only able to learn what to do if you're ever in the same situation, but also learn what an amazing human being and nurse Ginny truly is. Without further ado, let's get started with the Checkup Podcast. Ginny, yes. 10 years has culminated into this moment. It's been 10 years. Isn't that crazy? Are you sure about that? I met you. I, I remember exactly when I met you. Oh, yeah, yeah. June 2014. Oh, wow. Yes. And it's about to be January 2024. Wow. So it's about our 10-year anniversary. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? <laughs> time falls. Do you remember the first time you met me? No. No? It wasn't memorable? Well, no, I remember I heard about you coming in. This Dr. Vershowski has been with the Philippine Miss Universe, mm. and you've been on the red carpet, and you were in Atlantic City. Wait, doing... hold on. Did that happen then yet? No, you're already in the future. Oh, okay. Well, that's... Okay, so that It was even after. before, yeah. Yeah. So, and then I really... Diana is the one that told me, the administrative assistant told me about, hey, have you... Talk to Mike, and I go, no, because you were mostly with the third year, Grace, mm -hmm. in the beginning. And I go, I don't care. See what Grace thinks. And Grace was so shy. She was, like, worried about being with you. And and she was she's lovely, and she's a brainiac. And um, she came up, and she was worried how it was going to be with Mr. Popularity at yeah, that time. Yeah, that's right, because Grace, Dr. Grace Charles, yes. was my senior at the time. Yes. Yes, and she heard that I might be on my phone way too much. And she was worried about working with me. So she sought out your advice. <laughs> what did you tell her? I told her, don't <laughs> let him get away with anything. What else could I say? You got to be a doctor. You got to learn here. But you did. And she reported back to me how you were also. And what, did she say anything good, bad? Yeah, she said, Jim, he knows his stuff. I go, really? Okay, we'll see how that goes as you, time goes on. You know the only argument I ever had in the office with a staff member was with you? Isn't that funny? They only I had to challenge passed. you. Of course. <laughs> but then you sort of became my work mom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember I, the argument because I asked to order an EKG because my patient's oh yeah, potassium levels were high. And you were like, why are you getting an EKG? We're busy. And I'm like, but we need the EKG. And you're like, you don't know anything. You're a resident. I said that? Yeah, you were feisty. Oh, but what did he come in for? Not for that. It wasn't for that. That's exactly. why. You're like, That's he doesn't have what? chest pain. And I'm like, okay. but I'm not getting a heart attack EKG. I'm getting something else. Yeah. You were well, really I challenged you because it was like, you're in for something else. And now you want EKG. What is the reason? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember, you know who calmed me down during that moment? No, you were really mad at me? No, I was just like, we were getting into a screaming match. 
No, we, I don't remember that at yeah. all, Michael. Yeah, you're like, I'm not getting it. I'm like, well, I'm telling you to get it. Well, I'm glad you didn't tell this in front of Joe. Joe is the one who calmed me down. Joe Tribuno, Dr. Joe Tribuno is our residency director. He heard our <laughs> argument. He walks over and he oh. goes, Michael, shh. It's okay. It's just Jenny. It's okay. <laughs> and I'm like, but, but I need the EKG. He goes, it's okay. It's oh, just Ginny. That's fair. But you got your darn EKG. I got the EKG and the EKG was normal. So everything yes. worked out. Hey, so, Bear. Duh. I was right. Look at Bear coming and say hi to you. Yeah. Hi, Bear. Um, bear. I can't believe this is your first time meeting Bear. Well, I wasn't around when you brought him in. I wanted yeah. you to meet him from the very beginning when he was I, a pup. I brought him in during on a Saturday. Uh, on a Saturday. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. working. So. No, I, you, I, didn't, you know, I always wanted to meet Bear. You always had the comfy schedule. Oh. Yeah, right. How long have you been working uh, at the hospital? I've been with Overlook um, Hospital for 38 years, I think. Yeah. 38 years? Yes. Jenny, that's longer than I've been alive. I know. That's longer uh, than both. No, it's not longer than it's both. It's a very there. long time. It's a lifetime. Plus, before that, I worked somewhere else. I was in Rhode Island, Colorado. So So how many years have you been a nurse practicing? Like 46, 47 years. 47 years. Yes. So you have wisdom to share. Wisdom? Yeah. Yeah, right. What, what, uh. What's your biggest takeaway from being a nurse for almost half a century? I'm tired. Destroyed <laughs> my back and I'm tired. I love my patients. I gave them all I got, every one of them, on the floors. I worked uh, so many f years on the floors, and then I came to family practice in 1989. When I was born. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> what made you want to switch off the floors to uh, primary well, care, to a clinic setting? I was getting very tired. It was very tiring. It was hard. Um, there was, it was, a, I've been doing it for like about, well, maybe 10 years before I got there. Maybe not even. Around there. And then a friend of mine worked there and she goes, oh, Jen, you'll love family practice. You'll love the residents. I didn't even know about family practice at the hospital. But I did run into Dr. Susie Kay, one of our docs, and Dr. Tersh Murdoch. And I go, oh, they're family practice. So I go, let's see how that goes. Mm. So I've been there ever since. What made you stay there for so long? Like most people move on. You even in the past had multiple places. That you I were. know. I found that was kind of weird too. Mm -hmm. But I think I just loved the residents coming and going. You get to meet people every new year. You got a new crop of residents. Um, I just love the attendings that I worked with. And it was uh, really family home oriented practice, I believe, and kept me there. I fell in love, got married, had a baby, got divorced. <laughs> many of those doctors went to my wedding, many <laughs> of the attendings. It was just family oriented. And we would have Christmas parties every year at somebody's house. And it was always fun. And parties throughout the year of celebrations. And um, Dr. Jill Tribune is the head macho, and so is Susie Kay. And you can't get anybody better than those two. Yeah. It, when I came there, I did my first look, which is when you're still a student and you spend a day with the residents and mm -hmm. the attendings. I was like, wow, this place on paper sounds like a family. But then in person, they also act like they're a family. Yeah. It was such a supportive environment that I've never seen. And I bounced around from hospital to hospital during my rotations. But Overlook was really an example of what it's like to lead with a family value in a field where family values weren't valuable. <laughs> I get it, because we took. I've taken care of babies that are now, I'm taking care of their their kids. So it's a family-orientated practice, 
Um, I do miss my patients. And I just get the biggest kick out of my original patients' kids coming in. Yeah, that's incredible. Do it's, you have a patient that sticks out in your mind? Oh, your years not just one, quite a few. Quite a few. Ooh. Like you don't have to say their names, but. Um, well, uh, one girl was there when I first started, and uh, she had a couple babies, and the girls have grown up, and they have babies. And one one of the daughters always said to me, I only want Jenny to give the shots to my babies because she gave me my shots, and she just thought, I don't know what, but I just adored you know, I would go in, even though I wasn't running that doctor who had her kids, I, they would come and get me to give the shots. Um, and the mom, she, you know, she, the first mom, the, like at that point it's the grandma, but she always, you know, went to see me and do stuff. And uh, a lot of people, they just want me to give them the shots or they have to see me and we have to like, especially long-term patients, you know, I welcome them and I hug them and talk about each other and what's going on and how you're feeling and, you know, just stuff like that. It's just. It's sad that after 30 some odd years that now you're coming to the point of retirement. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah. It's wonderful. Is it just because you, you want to chill? What's, what's driving the retirement? Cause you're the glue that holds the office together. Oh my God. That's so nice. No, it's, it's, I'm saying it genuinely. It's, when I walk in, and I walk through the hallways, the first person I want to say hi to is you. I know. You always did do that. You always said hi to me. Because and it was- You had to say hi to me. You <laughs> had to pass me. It's a, we have an office on Main Street, and here goes Michael come strutting down the hallway, you know, and he always says something. And it was always the most warm welcome. Like, no matter what bad mood I was in, if I saw you and Cherry and everybody there, it was just happiness right away. Aww. Even if something bad was going on. Oh, like in life or something yeah. else. Yeah, that's yeah, rare. Yeah. That you want to come to work to see your colleagues. Most people are like, oh, I don't want to go to work. Oh, I, I always loved that job. I, I cannot, that was my blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, I would always go beyond and above. I, that was just me also. And I never wanted to like make the patient wait or for any extra length or anything. I wanted them to be happy and I made them I think in my own way, I made them feel comfortable and fun. We have fun. But you didn't just do that for patients. You did that to residents. Mm. You did that to the CMAs who worked with you. Oh, I love my CMAs. You, I um, love them. You you did it to residents that needed help, whether it was mental or even you financially <laughs> helped out some residents. Like that's unheard of. Uh, uh, yeah, really? Yeah. Well. How many yeah. nurses do you think are going around helping residents? Uh, I have. I don't know. It's rare, Ginny. I'm telling you because I work in the hospitals. <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't happen. That, yeah. that relationship doesn't happen. Uh, well, what drove you to be a nurse in the first place? Oh, Michael, now we're going back. I, I don't know. I think I always, I was uh, in high school and I was volunteering as a, a like, what do you call it? Volunteer, red, candy striper. Um, candy I, striper? Yeah. Back in the day. <laughs> The people who volunteered, especially young girls, were called candy stripers. What? And what in does high that mean? school, what did it mean? I don't know. I don't know who invented that, but I was like, <laughs> it sounds weird. <laughs> it was a candy striper. You had this uniform. I would go after work to this one hospital in the little, like, not in Union, but in Elizabeth, the town of Elizabeth. It was Elizabeth General. And we would go take the bus there. And then um, that was my kind of first exposure. 
And I believe my mother dressed me up as Clara Barton once upon a time, and she just thought I was going to be a nurse. Who's Clara Barton? Clara Barton was one of the nurses who started. <laughs> she was 50 Claire years Barton. younger than you. Oh, my gosh. You never had this in school? No. She was a nurse. Uh, she started being coming a nurse. I don't know what year. I would have done my research if I was going to mention her. Um, but, yeah, she was had the blue cape on, I believe, and always helped, like, during the wars back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think my mother dressed me up like that for Halloween to be a nurse. And I think I like that, like that cape on me for some reason. <laughs> so you like the outfit? Uh, yeah, kind of. And then as I grew up... Um, I, I don't know. I really uh, couldn't tell you why. Just my mother wanted me to be a nurse and a nurse and a nurse. And was she a nurse? I was about, nope. So what was she? I she was like um, like administrative assistant, secretary type of person, um, and she actually worked at Elizabeth Hospital, also in the emergency room as like registering people. She did mm-hmm. that a long time, but I don't know why she. I don't know. All I know is that. It, I just loved the nursing school. I loved the anatomy. Um, And when you walk into the room and you see the patient and you make them smile and make them feel better, I I think I like that reward. I mean, I know I did my job. You do whatever that had to be done. I worked on peds. I worked on uh, pediatric kids with cancer, a few few years of that. That was heart-wrenching. Is Uh, that harder than regular pediatrics? Well, it was a mix. It was they were on the floors on peds. Uh, it was, yeah, you, you you feel for the babies and the parents. I mean, the peds really got to you after a while because I did go through a few baby funerals. Yeah, when that happened, uh, you know, stuff happens. But yeah, and then um, those were a great group of women too that I worked with. You know, everything for the patient. That's was the route to go. Who stood out? To you, well, who stands out to you right now in your mind of either other nurses or doctors that you work with as exemplary medical professionals? Do you want me to mention names? Well, just sure. You could give my first name. Well, Dr. Alfred Murdoch. He was one of the finest gentlemen I've ever met and is a wonderful doctor and caring and hands on doc. And he didn't like the computer world either. Same as me. I didn't like the computer world. <laughs> He would be, he would get so frustrated with it. Um, and of course, Joe Tribuna and Dr. Tom Holland, all these attendings that I worked with. And What made them special? They cared. Dr. Murdoch was caring for anybody and he would go the extra mile for anybody. If something was bugging him, he would figure it out and get whatever it took to get this patient well and go somewhere. And just, he was just, a given doctor, and and I believe he was born to be a doctor. His father was a doctor at Overlook, mm. and uh, back in the day. And then what what happened to him? Uh, he passed away about two thousand and twelve. While he was still working in our residency. Yes. How did that happen? He got sick over the weekend. Um, it was a weekend. He was vomiting and vomiting. Uh, and he said to his wife, something else is going on. I feel weak on the one side. And they called a squad. And uh, he was having a stroke. Mm. And they, they helped him. 
and they did all the stuff that needed to be done. And then he transferred him to um, a rehab. And here's my Dr. Murdoch with a hospital gown on, and I couldn't stand it because he was always very dressed to the nine. He liked his suits. He liked all that. We would always like bust his chops about that. But here he is with a robe. I go, they, and I always said, they can't do better than this gown for you, for my <laughs> Dr. Murdoch. So, uh, and then eventually he, he did pass, mm. which broke everybody's heart. The whole hospital was the saddest, very sad. Even attendings came up to me with tears in their eyes when they heard about Dr. Murdoch passing. Yeah, it was very emotional then. Our whole office was so, the whole feeling of it was just so sad and grief. And yeah, that was a big part. And then I was his nurse. I was part of his nurse. I just adored him for, you know, as long as I'd known him. I actually started my residency just after that. What year was that 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 happened? 12. 12, yeah, and I came in at 14. That's right. So I came in kind of on the heels of that, and everybody would talk about him so fondly in his memory. There's plaques and memories of him, and um, I never got a chance to meet him. You would have loved him. He would have got a big kick out of you. He would (laughs) have really gotten a big kick out of you. Why do you say that? Because you're Michael, you're different. You're in the limelight, you know. He was, uh, he would have bust your chops. I think he would have, yeah. uh, he would have got a kick out of yeah. Do you think that he had an influence of Dr. Tribuna, and that's how? Well, they were around the same. Um, they were see family practice doctors. I think they're they're very unique. They need to know the patient totally, and they get to know the patient. And Joe was always like that, also. I mean, Tersh was before him. Um, I mean, Dr. Murdoch was before him. Um, but Joe did meet him at Jibuna. And then Joe got to be a doctor in our Chatham office, and then the associate director, and then now the director. So, of, yeah, they were, they're very similar of the same molds. You know? yeah. I remember rounding with Dr. Tribuna first few times, and we would go see patients in their rooms and I'm busy thinking about their blood tests or the specialists they need to see. And he's more focused on, let me open your yogurt and feed you. That sounds like Joe because yes, Joe would go and so would Terrence. They would work on that stuff and worry about the other stuff later. Just make them feel uncomfortable, the patient. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That was their primary goal. It seemed Doctors would be trying to get out earlier out of the office or out of the hospital, and they would try and stay later, not because they wanted to stay later, but until everything was taken care of. Yeah, yeah, they would be there late all the time. Doc, I don't think, I don't even know when Tersh would leave sometimes because he's always doing something. And I know his wife was waiting for him at home for dinner, but he'd get home seven, eight, (laughs) you know, that's... (laughs) that's Pretty typical of the office. Yeah, we're family practice... You know, they call it Overlook Family Medicine now, but it is family. Yeah. And they put out good doctors that still care. Yeah, that's that's rare in society these days. I remember when we first started, um, I was like, I couldn't tell if you hated me or you liked me. On the beginning, I didn't like it at all. Yeah. I, everybody I don't like. It's like, let me see what you're made of first before <laughs> I make my decision. Of course, I was nice and polite, yeah. but... No, let's see, you know, how this goes. I that's how I look at it, because we're there to protect the patient from mm. you guys. <laughs> you know what's if funny? They, that's so true. It is so yeah. true. Like nurses prevent doctors from being bad. Well, you have to 
be with them and cover them. And one thing with Dr. Murdoch and um, the other ten, some of them want the nurse in there. And now it, it's grown up now that the nurse and the MA can't be in there because they're going to do other 50,000 stuff while they're, you know, and you don't get to be with the patient. I was always, most of, most of the time I've been in rooms with the doctors, you know, getting stuff, doing stuff with the doctors, with the patient and in the room. Now, like, they don't want us in the room. They want us in and out. Yeah. Well, that's how the same they want us in the room, on the computer, right. writing the note. And I'm like, no. I would get in trouble for that all the time. I mean, you knew that. Yeah. Well, that's... How often did that... Would you say that's the biggest you, complaint against Well, me? yes. Michael was behind days of seeing, uh, typing up some notes for patients because <laughs> they can't get charged. And then you got the billing people on mm -hmm. Michael's case. I mean, emailing them, sending all sorts of nice and nasty <laughs> notes, I guess. <laughs> but it's That's all I, we heard about. I learned medicine from Dr. Tribuna, from the likes of a, a Tersh Murdoch, of... You want to be there for the patient, not for the computer, not for the record, not for the billing. So if I could choose between writing the note on time or giving better care, it felt like there was no option. Of course you give better care. But I feel like that has changed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah? The, the Epic took over. The computer world took over. Uh, it's changed the whole dynamics of being with a doctor. Do you think that's for the good or for the bad? Of healthcare? Well, I guess there's some good points about it. Um, but being an old nurse, I like patient care and hands-on. I The computer can wait with me. I would go in a room, write everything on paper, deal with the patient. Then I would come out and put in the computer. But then the doctors would get mad at me because <laughs> I would take too long on the computer. But I couldn't do it in the room because I didn't know what I was doing. I was, I was computer illiterate and I had to learn all by myself how to do it. Plus the help from my friends. Sure. But it got to be pretty funny. Watching you suffer with the computer? Yes. I, that would be more stressful. I could save your life, but don't put me on the computer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think doctors are better connected with their patients now or they were 30 years ago? Oh. I, I well, I, I... Answer it genuinely. Don't, this isn't Well, I don't think so answer. then. Um I think hands-on was the best way to know a patient and talk to them face-to-face because -face, some people would always come out of a room and say, they don't even look up at me and da-da-da. And I think that's disrespect for the patient. I mean, I'm saying all the doctors do that, but that's the way the business, it's a business now. It's not like it was. And how Overlook used to be was a very family-orientated hospital and you knew everybody in the hospital. It wasn't a big conglomerate like it is now. Um, merging of all these other hospitals, but that seems to be the way of the world and it's in the business world. Is that partially what's driving your retirement? Well, not really as much as my back, <laughs> the pain sure. in my back where I couldn't walk anymore. Yeah. That kind of did it. And uh, of course, I, I said before, I think I miss my patients. I do miss that contact and I do miss my friends at work. You know, they were like, we were all family and buddies and I think in 10 years, I've never seen a place change so fast. Yeah. Because yeah, like I, I started and it was such a family, finished residency, became an attending there. And now I don't think besides some attendings, it's this none of the same people from when I started, it's, which is incredible. It is. Everybody. Where, whereas in your era, it was 30, 40 years of service. 
<laughs> now it's, you know, a year or two and you move up or move on. Yeah, I moved on. It's just, <laughs> it is different. And you're right. You saw a lot of changes going on. It, it's also during that time where the computer is coming in, the conglomerate world, the business world is all starting to take over. There's different responsibilities. That's why everyone's stepping down. Dr. Case changing her position. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Dr. Tribuna comes out and says, hey. He can't yet. He's too young. Well, he's young, but I I, I wouldn't see too far in the future of him saying, yeah, I'm going to start winding down. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he's got grandkids now, so. Exactly. He's a granddad. He wants to have fun and he wants to still be a doctor. Do you have any memories of us working together that stand out in your mind? You and me? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, putting patients in with you. I don't know. We always had fun. I mean, uh, you know. Isn't that weird to say? We're in a place where people are sick and we had fun. We did always have fun. Isn't that weird? Like, it's weird, right? We had it a good makes, time. Yeah, we did have a good time. I mean, Mike, you would get mad a little bit, but nothing nothing bad. I mean, we were probably running behind or something. <laughs> and then uh, his patient isn't in the room, but that goes with everybody. Yeah. You know, you got to, there's only, we can only do, I keep telling them, you can, I multitask too much and I you can only do one thing at a time. I mean, you multitask, that was my job, multitasking, you know, doing, putting the patients in when necessary, you know, playing at the desk, being triaged, doing refills, answering phone calls from everybody. And also the information desk for everybody who would walk by. I was like the main street. We you had were. the main street. You were the so, hub. The hub. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find it shocking that Atlantic hired me after residency? Yeah, kind of. Why? Um, because you're, uh, you know, you're a famous man and uh, I guess they like that part maybe, but I was surprised, but it was good. It's a good thing because you had a nice ray of patients that liked you for OMT and they would, and you would help them and you would, and more people, I recommended you too. They absolutely like adored what you did to them and helped them. And one thing you did help is a lot of younger people mm -hmm. straighten. Mike, they could talk to you, the younger generation in their 20s, and they had problems. I know these kids have more problems today than ever, I feel. Um, and you did help them because they felt comfortable relating to you and talking to you about their problems and how you would help them. Like, uh, he's helped... You've helped quite a few patients of mine that needed help from a doctor like you, a young man that knows, is intelligent and could say, and they can relate to you. It was weird because when I did social media initially and I became an attending, it felt like more people online had no idea that I was practicing as a doctor. Like that world never was shown. So they always yes. thought I just did videos online and I wasn't practicing, but we would be working together so often that I think your view of me is drastically different than everyone else's view. Oh, absolutely. How do you think it's different? Because I know the real you. I don't know this other one, YouTube. Oh, you know, Michael, Michael. I didn't care about Michael being the YouTube guy. I cared about Michael at the desk working with me and dealing with patients. Yeah. And that's the way I knew Michael. Yeah, I think the fact that you probably don't even remember this, but when I came in, to the residency in 2014, I didn't have a big social media following. I was just yeah. a, a resident. Right, right. So I worked with you for a year in my intern year, 
before the popularity started. I think had the popularity started before that and I came in already YouTube popular, I think you would have judged me differently. Well, I wasn't into YouTube. I'm not into all that social stuff. Well, yeah. So I didn't but know you would judge much it. about it. Well, I would definitely uh, not let it weigh my opinion of you as <laughs> far as a doctor, because you have to be a doctor and I have to see what how you are with patients and all that stuff. And mm. obviously you passed my test. <laughs> <laughs> well, I passed your test and we got along great. Yeah. What about everyone's opinion of my work that worked with you? The Cherries, Yvette's, Colette's. Did you? Did they have the same feelings as you? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think they all felt that. Yes, you know yourself. Of course, they had not doubts, but wanted to see for <laughs> sure how you act. So they were skeptical. They, yeah, yeah. That's the word. Yeah. And then, how did it land for them? You think, like when you guys would talk about? Oh, it? I think it landed well. We all agreed. I mean, of course, I was backing you a hundred percent because I seen you in action how many times and. People have commented, you know, we talk to the patients when they come out of the room. I never heard anything negative, like right now, but uh, it was always good. And people, like, respect you. And, you know, you go in there, you're friendly, you talk to them, and you make them feel comfortable. Yeah, it's you important. Know, yes, you make, you know, take the ease off of them. Well, what I started doing in Overlook that I never really did in my training or thought about in my training, partially led by Stuart Green in our office. Uh-huh is really focusing on the mental health aspect of physical problems. And I felt like patients really either respected that or some were very anti that. Someone even filed a complaint out one time, I did a YouTube video on it, where I, they were like, why is he talking to me about my mental health when I'm saying my back hurts? But I think it's important. But it's, I believe it's important also, because a yeah. lot of the physical has a lot to do with the mental yeah. status. For sure. And that kind of drives me to the point of uh, my graduation. You remember you gave my speech? I did give his speech. That's right. Because each award. resident would get someone to present either their graduation speech or an award to them. Yeah. And do you remember what you did? Yeah, I vaguely remember. <laughs> what? I'm curious what your memory serves you. Let's see. I forgot what award you were up for. I was like some excellence award, medical excellence. Of course, award. he was excellence. I forgot. Of course. So I, it was the year that um, La La Land came out, the movie, and uh, and it was a joke. As I was, we were we were announcing the uh, award, and it was we said La La Land, and everybody like some people got and some people didn't, <laughs> and then it actually wasn't. I put you in saying something. Um, Oh, God, I forget the wording I use, but it was uh, my tall white. I, oh, right now I need a tall white Russian. And, <laughs> and Michael totally missed it, and he didn't get up right away. And I'm looking at Michael in the, the distance. I thought you were talking about alcohol. Uh, well, I think you were a nice tall white Russian. That's fair. White, <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. And I think it was a joke because I do like white Russians <laughs> as an alcohol drink. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. It was funny. Was, that part was funny. Yeah, that was a good graduation. Yeah, it was fun. I but, remember you always telling me stories of what it was like to be a nurse back in the day and how different it is that you would flirt with some of the doctors. Is any of the Grey's Anatomy stuff true? 
Because like now I look at a Grey's Anatomy episode and I'm like, this is so not true. There's no flirting going on here. No right. one's hooking up. But you're saying back oh, yeah. in the day it happened all the time. Well, yeah, there was lots of stories going around that hospital when it was a small hospital. Yeah. It, I mean, tell us some of the stories. Oh, I don't know everybody's story. Well, you don't have to say everybody's stories. You know, there were times, you know, at, you know, night hours, evening to the night and Things were happening that you didn't know about. <laughs> you had a boiler room. I remember your boiler room stories, Jenny. Oh, no. no, no <laughs> <laughs> but it was different oh, than it boy. is now. Yes, it is very different. I felt like I people had connections back then. Yes, we knew like a lot of people. The Overlook was small. It was a, I'm not saying it was my hospital. It was a, a tight-knit people working Three to 11, I floated in the beginning. I knew all the people on the floors. It was fun. You knew, like, you know, the dietary people. You knew the environmental people, the, you know, the engineering department, all that stuff. Um, but now, you know, it's different, and everybody's busy and running here and there. Yeah, well, that, We're always that busy. creates a not-so-romantic environment these days. Yeah, but, you know, a lot of people have uh, latched up with other people from the hospital. What? A lot of people. No, they haven't. Yeah, they not have. in the last ten years. Oh, I don't know about that. People get involved with the person at work, and really, uh, I didn't. Yeah, see it. yeah. Mm. Well, behind closed doors. Well, maybe, but not like how it used to be with your boiler rooms and you sneaking off with residents or whatever. Oh you were doing. my goodness, Michael! You know, when you were a young lady, bringing up some dirt, <laughs> some good memories. Um, but the real reason—well, not the real reason—we we have so much history, and obviously. I, the, the YouTube channel is aware of you probably from my first day in the life video because part of my YouTube channel, people were like, do you even work as a doctor? I'm like, I should do a day in the life video. That's right. And I actually get in, got in trouble for doing the day in the life video because it was like, you didn't clear it with the hospital and you didn't do <gasps> That's anything. That's right. Yeah, I remember so, that. And you were the opening of that video. You're kidding. Yeah. And you said you got some messages for being in that video. Oh. Did your friends message you? I remember you were saying something. Is about that, that the one that you're I was yelling at you and you were telling no, me No, you were like sit here and I sat on a garbage can and you were like, you know, there's a lot of good looking men walking around in scrubs. Uh, and that what else did you say? <laughs> that you had really sad stories from patients who were, you know, at the end of their lives and they shared some words of wisdom with you. Um yes, Michael. So that you kind of gave us time a, ago. Yeah. Do you remember that video? No, but it's a long time ago. I remember the video where you were, he was trying to, you were trying to film me and yeah. I'm working at lunch mm -hmm. and I had no idea he was filming me <laughs> and I'm yelling at him because he was doing everything like a little boy would do. I'm yelling at him, Michael, go away, go away. And he filmed it yeah, without my it. knowledge Yeah. until the next day. <laughs> and then you're like, my friends are messaging me saying that I'm on some social media platform. <laughs> And there goes Michael walking by me at first thing in the morning. He goes, Jim, we have 10,000, 10,000. And I go, what? What's 10,000? He goes, 10,000 hits, Jim. I go, what? And then he came around to the side of where I was sitting and he showed me all this stuff and I was mortified. And then people from, I haven't talked to in a while, kept saying, oh my gosh, Jim, is that you? Texting me all this stuff. You, yeah, uh, you have a lot funny. of fans on the channel. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It's true. That's very funny. Um, and then- Recently, you took a medical leave of absence because you said your back was hurting you a lot. Um, without divulging too much of what's going on now, what led to the medical leave of absence? What were your symptoms then? 
Just strictly speaking in the past. Well, I had uh, extra weight on me and my back was really hurting. I did have a dress before months before and I was living on Tylenol or ibuprofen. And I thought it was, you know, nothing major. But by January, I it really bothered me a whole lot. And getting up, running around the floors, walking, you know, it was hurting. Walking out to the car uh, at the end of the day because you never left on time. It was just like really aggravating. Then by, uh, I did go to a doctor then, had x-rays done. Um, and then by May, I just said, I can't do this anymore. Uh, it was too much pain. I had epidurals that did not work. Uh, one doctor, I went to several doctors. They said I wasn't a candidate for surgery because my MRI and the CAT scan wasn't as bad as what it could be, I guess. But I was still in pain. It was low back pain. and uh, You also had ablations, right? Yes, Medical I had ablations ablation. after the epidurals didn't work, which I had more needles in my back than a siphon. I, I don't know. It was just one thing after another. Mm -hmm. And nothing really... Uh, took care of the pain. And you were out from the office for a long time at that point. I remember it was September and you were still out. Yes, nothing was better. Nothing was improving. Literally nothing was improving. Your back was, and you were losing weight at the time, but yes. still the pain wasn't improving. Yeah, that's, an, that's another farce thing with, like, with the back pain because I lost weight and it didn't, it didn't help the back pain a bit. So I don't know people out there. Yeah, it was really... It didn't, it didn't improve the pain, I must say. You mentioned you saw multiple doctors for the back pain. Yes. And almost none of them examined you. But were some of those visits bad? Well, being a nurse and expecting more, um, I got less from a very, a very competent doctor who I chose to go to. And he was very... Um, Matter of fact, you know, as he's looking at my x-ray and everything, he's talking to the to the x-ray, not actually to me. I was sitting like next, like on the opposite side of him, but mm -hmm. he wasn't very kind and saying, and as he got up, he was just said, you know, you're not a candidate for surgery. And I was like, uh, 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 like what? Where I thought I would be a candidate for surgery because of the pain. But when he was reading the MRI, CAT scan, it wasn't, a, it wasn't as bad as what I felt, but I also was dealing with pain. So to sure. me, right then and there, surgery would have been my answer and I'd be pain-free. But just how he just dismissed it was the How did problem. he dismiss it? What was his action? Just walked out of the room, just said, you're not a candidate for surgery, got up and left, never asked my question, never said anything. Never cared about your pain, nothing. Never said, right. Never right. examined you. Right. And he said, you got to go see someone else at that point, which I had to get up to the, go to <clears throat> the counter where the nurse was and she would describe what I was going to do next. So I was like, what? At that point, I just said like, oh my gosh. Were I you disappointed here. that after all these years of service to the healthcare field, the healthcare field treated you like that? Well, I was disappointed that he wasn't going to help me. And I was, I wouldn't say the whole healthcare because at that time, I thought they were doing the right thing. It made sense. Imagine you, you're, as a nurse, you're getting that level of care. What would they right. do to a person who's not medically trained? I, they, I don't know. I mean, I asked questions and it just wasn't getting answered. And uh, 
especially at that one doctor, he was a very intimidating, um, but he wasn't giving me any answers. <laughs> no, but it's not even that he didn't have answers to give you. He just wasn't interested in having the conversation. Right. I think, it, I think he felt it was a waste of time for me to come to see him. And mm. I know he was a busy man. But that's I, that's know, rude to make you feel that way. I know, but that's kind of how I felt. Mm. And then walking out of the, you know, of course, everything was, nothing's close where you park. I mean, and everything, I was like in tears by the time I got to the car because it was hurting me. I got no results. And he wants me to go to somewhere else. I wanted an immediate, my thing was I wanted an immediate answer. Yeah. Let's book the surgery. I'm ready. <laughs> and then we went to a dinner because I yes. haven't seen you for a long time. Right. With Dr. Tribuna and his wife. Right. And you told me how much pain you were and yeah, that I'm you can barely get around. Yeah. You're saying like, I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk long. I and then you showed me your MRI. I looked right. at your MRI. I wasn't too impressed or right. excited. Which made me mad. Something <laughs> has to happen here. Why am I in this pain and nothing? And and he, you were not impressed. He yeah. goes, he wasn't impressed. I had a CAT scan done. I had an MRI done. Yeah, looked at all. X-rays done. The hips done. Nothing exciting. Nothing exciting. But I'm in pain and I couldn't walk and I wasn't going back to work. And I remember in early October, you had scheduled an appointment for a spinal surgery of a spinal cord stimulator to be put in. And that's when I got really mad. Yeah, I was like, you did. Yeah, you did. You I did. was like, Jenny, you have to see me before you go for that. Yeah, uh, and you were reluctant. Why were you reluctant to see me? Well, let's like you see. said, all these patients say great things. You trust me with that stuff, but then you were reluctant to see me. Why? Well, let's see, because you are Michael, and I am an old lady. And there was like no way I was going to have Michael Vershawski like look at me, touch me as a doctor. Why not? You trained me. I know, but it was just something with me, I guess. Mm. I was, you know, what could I say? But then I consented to it because I had Joe, Dr. Joe Tribune on one side talking to me and Michael on the other side. And I think maybe I had one drink in me or something. And I just <laughs> said, okay, let's make an appointment to see Dr. Vershawski. So against your will, you were forced to see me. I was forced to see I you. I had to make your appointment for you, you because had to make, yes, you, re you, you refused to make it. Yes. But we made it. Yes. And you officially became my patient. Yes. Which meant that we had to sign a bunch of paperwork for you to even have this conversation with me. <laughs> yes. Which is funny. Yes. Um, and then you came in and you, do you, you tell me how the visit went. Well, it was pretty funny because Michael was... Well, Dr. Sassi was saying that it's your, he thinks it's my hip. And I'm saying I don't have pain in my hip. It's my low back pain, which Michael knew all along, but he kept insisting it was my hip. And I kept insisting it's not. And he finally yelled at me and said, Ginny, stop being a doctor to yourself. And I'm the doctor here. <laughs> and he meant it. <laughs> well, And I said, okay. What I remember from the visit is I was examining you and- I was checking your back and I didn't see much wrong with it. And you didn't have much pain or tenderness in the area. And then I would examine your hip and you'd be screaming. I was in pain. You were screaming. I was said, Michael, stop it. And then I would press and, <laughs> and you would scream. scream. Yeah. And I would say, Virginia, I'm pressing on your hip. And it's like, which I don't know. I was baffled because I still didn't get it. And yeah, then, you, were, um, you were like, you were arguing almost with me. Yes. Like, yes. You were I, in disbelief. Yes. I was arguing with you. Why, yep. why did, because you just thought it was your back and you've been told it's your back so many times. Well, let's see. We, everybody did everything for my back and then nothing worked. And then it, it was still my back because that's where the pain was. But my hip and my, uh, 
Michael was the only one that actually touched and physically touched my back and my hips. I went to many doctors and they only looked at the x-rays and the MRIs and they all said I was not a candidate for surgery, but I still had back pain. So I went to very nice doctors and they didn't do much for me. And Ginny, are you saying you went to see pain uh, medicine doctors, yes. spinal surgeons, yep, orthopedic doctors, yep. your family medicine Chiro doctor, chiropractor. chiropractors, yes. and none of them examined you like the YouTube doctors? <laughs> no, none of them examined them. Nobody touched my back except Michael. Ginny, that's terrible. I agree. How do you think I felt when I had to actually go to you and confess that, okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 40 years of service to the healthcare field, People are examining you, trying to give you good health care, but no one's performing a physical exam. This blew my mind. I yes. got so mad. I know. I was furious. Michael, couldn't, you couldn't believe I I couldn't believe it either when he asked me, did anybody touch? And I said, no, nobody touched my hip. And you were Hips. scheduled for a spinal cord stimulator with no one examining you. No, but I know. They all took like for granted from the x-rays. The yeah, MRIs. they said, let's look at the imaging. They're like, your hip is fine on the x-ray, yeah. but like- Touch the hip, like perform it, like move the hip. No one did it. Mm -mm. What's wrong with our current healthcare system that that's happening? It's the computer. The computer is evil. I think so. I uh, back in the day, and so it maybe depends on how you were how you were taught. True, being in the residence and who you're, and now the surgeons, the surgeons I went to, the yes, they all showed me the MRI, seen more pictures of my back and the MRI and the X-rays than I care to. And they couldn't see anything really wrong. And then that one doctor suggested I have this stimulator put in. Um, and it, without examining your back. Without touching <laughs> anything. Yes. So we do the exam. I realize it's your hip. At that point, you're probably in debilitating pain probably for six months. That's fair to say. May, that was July, May September. to yeah, yeah, october Yeah, yeah. Because I remember October 10th was the date of your potential spinal cord stimulator surgery. So it was a week before that I saw you. Yes, you told me right away, do not do it. Yeah, I said, cancel that appointment, cancel please. That, which I did. And, and I you were initially confused. Yeah. Rightfully so. You're like, what do you mean cancel it? Right. <laughs> You're like, I work to get this appointment. Right, I want to be pain free. Yeah, so we canceled it. We got you to see someone else to do an injection into your hip. We yeah. got you with a physical therapist. Like we had the platelets. We, we first pleasant. did uh, the steroid. Or did you go for the PRP? No steroid. No steroids. You did the platelet-rich prolotherapy. Yes, the platelet-rich. Plasma right. prolotherapy. Yes. So that's where they take your blood, they spin out the platelets, which have healing factors in them, they inject into the joint. Yes, a what, big needle. A big needle. On both sides. And the goal of it is actually to cause inflammation and potentially so heal it, the area. Right, so all the good stuff in there will come to that area and start healing yeah. it, which I didn't feel much pain, at, which I didn't feel much at all healed. Well, yeah, it, it's not a miracle thing. And in fact, it doesn't work majority of the time. Oh, that's great. But if it works 40% of the time, that's still worth avoiding surgery. Yes. So like it depends and you have to be realistic about expectations on those things. But when you saw the doctor that I recommended you see for the injections, the doctor agreed that it was a SI joint, the hip joint problem. Right. It was turned out to be the, and the physical therapist too, what I went to mm -hmm. when- and the physical therapist got you a supportive belt. Right. Started with the exercise, some alternative things with yes. dry needling right. recommendations. And now it's December. So you were in pain for six months, couldn't walk, about to get surgery. 
it's six weeks later now. Where are you at now? I'm, I'm very good. <laughs> the pain has ceased. Uh, I think, you know, I could actually do housework without stopping in pain. I could sleep. I never had a problem sleeping. That was the other weird thing. I never had a problem sleeping. There was no pain when I slept. Just when I moved, I got lots of pain in walking and stuff. I could walk long now. I could, I could actually do more things. Is that incredible? Yeah, it is incredible. <laughs> it totally, I would never have been off of work all this long if I knew what I know now, obviously. If you just came to me. Yes. And Michael, <laughs> he did tell me throughout the time to see him. Why don't you come and see me? And I said, no, Michael, until they surrounded me that one day at dinner and they made me do it. And I said, and they were bugging me. And I said, okay, I'll consent to go see Michael. I, um, I always was really happy with our relationship and grateful for our relationship. And I always want to help patients no yes. matter who they are. Yeah. Uh, they could hate me, they could love me, and I still would want to help them. But to be able to help someone who <laughs> trained me, who was my work mom for 10 years, <laughs> I mean, do you know how amazing that feels to be able to help you to walk? Like, you couldn't walk from your car uh, yeah. to the office, and now you're yeah. fully functional. Uh, it's amazing. Just because, and I didn't do anything magical. Yes, you touched my hip and it hurt. That was something. <laughs> yeah. Because I wasn't complaining of pain then. It's just when he was touching and physically examining my right hip it is just, when it, the pain was there. And it's gone. And it's bizarre. All I could say, it's been very bizarre. It's incredible. It's sad, it's sad that it just takes a physical exam that was missing to be able to help you and no one did that. Does that make you mad? Yes. Yeah, I, it makes me, I wasted my time, a lot of my time going to all these high-end docs. And even the pain management never physically touched me. I mean, she examined me. I walked. I did all that. She saw what was going on. But yes, I think um, it's kind of sad. It's, it's sad that, you know, it took Michael, my Michael, to figure out that something's going on with the hip. And all along, I must say, he kept saying that, I think it's your hip, Jim. I think it's your hip. I go, no, I don't have pain. So my thing was the pain in my back, which obviously came from the right hip with the ligament. So I guess I wore that ligament out for many months. Yeah. And the dangers of you going for those procedures, epidurals, ablations. Well, you might have even had surgery had we not seen you. Those are risks. Yeah, but luckily nothing happened. Thank God. Thank God nothing did happen. I mean, I need some relief at that point. Yeah. And it helps temporary. Nothing what, what, what would you recommend to patients in the future from your learned experiences? Well, don't be afraid to tell the doctor to check everything. Physical hands on, which none of these high-end doctors touched me. Yeah. So I would say you'd have to open your mouth and... Be an advocate for yourself and make sure they figure it out. Is it really your back? Especially if there's nothing, I'm not a, wasn't a candidate for surgery to go in. And you weren't getting better. I was never getting better. You were potentially getting worse. I was, <laughs> I was in constant pain. Yeah. It was horrible. I canceled so many things because I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I, I stopped working. I couldn't work. I couldn't function. Now, physical therapy and 
the ligament, all that has all come together and we're working on that. So I am much better than what I was. Not 100%, but so much better. I could live like this. But I don't want to live like this. I want to get 100% better. <laughs> well, you still got work to do. You still yeah. got exercises. Yes, yes. All the and good Which stuff. we do. Yeah. Which I do at home, which they told me physical therapy is helping out. Yeah, it's the simple stuff deal. that works. Well, who would have ever known that? <laughs> you think I would have, but no. Who would have ever known that our 10 years will culminate into this? I know. <laughs> I still can't believe it's 10 years already, Michael. That's a long time. Yeah. And it went by with the flash. Mm-hmm. So we're all over the place. Can I convince you to um, not retire now that I fixed you? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're cute. Yeah, all right. No, no, no. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. What yeah. are you going to do in retirement? I'm going to have, like, do whatever I want to do and have fun. Travel. Which is what? What do you want to do? I want to travel. I want to start riding my bike again. I haven't been able to ride my bike. Where are you going to travel? Uh, well, just... Anywhere around here or out of here, out of the country, but I don't have my passport. I need to get my passport. Mm. So that's a problem. Okay. But yes, I am planning to do some stuff. And uh, Well, I'm glad we were able to give you that flexibility to do that. <laughs> I couldn't get on an airplane. I couldn't do nothing. And now uh, hopefully we'll be able to, I'll be able to do stuff. Yeah, I think Without you will. pain. Now I think you will. I mean, if you go to Europe, I'm going to go to England and Ireland. It's a lot of walking. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so now, you got to do the physical therapy, get in shape. So I need to, yes. Mm -hmm. When I was doing the social media stuff in residency, did you think it was stupid? No, I don't think I, I didn't think it was stupid. I thought it was pretty amazing that he thought of this. Really? Yeah. I thought you always and had a negative view because you hate the computer. I thought you'd hate the social media stuff. Oh, no, that's totally different. The computer was the work part. The yeah. other social media was the fun part. But no, I'm not into all the social media stuff, but I don't get a kick out of that. But seeing you do it and seeing how you were with it, I think it was it was quite amazing. And I think a lot of people paid attention to you, especially when you were in before residency, med schools, when you started working out at the gym and then the residency and you could be a doctor and you would film in our office and... You know, and then the boxing happened, which I made no sense. Don't touch that face of my Michael. Ugh. You cannot touch the face of Michael. <laughs> Are you anti-me boxing? Yes. Why? You don't think I'm good? <sighs> That's not the point. The point is that face. You don't want anybody to touch your nose or touch your face. No punching bags. Nothing like that. Okay. Fine. I don't like that. You're done with the boxing. But it's for charity. No, I'm not done. Oh, my gosh. I'm still going to keep fighting. You're kidding. No. Why? Do something else. It's good for charity. Yeah, so is other stuff. Yeah, I know, but it's fun also for me. Ugh. Maybe I like getting punched in the face. No, no face no You face punched punches. me in the face a lot when I was in residency. Yeah, Maybe I not, not. physically, that, but mentally. <laughs> That's funny. He was right there with you. He'd come up, Jen, Jen, Jen. What, um, what advice do you have for nurses that are are either just entering the field or thinking about entering nursing? Good luck. It's wild. It's good luck. It's hard. Is that I, a bad good luck or good, good luck? I think it's got to be a good, good luck because, um, I don't know. I hear the floors are, you know, low staff. You've got to, and a lot of machines going on. A lot of, you know, everything is all computer. So you have to know your machines. 
And ICU is basically all machines. You have to know all that stuff. Uh, I think it's, it's tough. It's tough. I was a nurse for a long time and running and running and running and lifting and lifting. Now maybe they have other stuff, better equipment, that's for sure, on the floors. That's Would you advise sure. them against becoming a nurse? No, the pay's good finally. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're making good money. Okay. Traveling nurses made a bundle when the COVID happened. Um, and, and once again, on the other end, some people left nursing because it was just over the top and they were older nurses. A lot of the older nurses have left. And right now at Overload, I don't know too many older nurses still there that I know, you know, like compared to what I used to know. So do you think the field of nursing has a bright future ahead for it? For it? Well, money-wise, I'd say the nurses- Why is everything money-wise with you, Because Jenny? I think- I didn't know I, you were a money person. No, I'm saying now the, there's so much money into nursing to be a nurse. But I what mean, about the reward of have, the field? You didn't go into nursing because of the money, did you? At that point, I can't even tell. I'm too embarrassed to tell you how much little I was making. How much being were you nurse. making? I don't know, very little compared to what I am now. Back in, it was in the 70s. So yes, it was not, not nothing like it was now. But we, I still want to nurse. I mean, if you go to nursing school and all you go, you're there for the patient, you got to know what you got to know, and and you got to be aware that you know some doctors make mistake, and if you feel in your gut something's wrong, that the doctor's doing something wrong, you got to open your mouth, and that's how I, you know, my mouth was open lots of times. <laughs> Did you fight any of the doctors ever? Did you get into like a big altercation? No, nothing like that. Just kind of in a way. Gently guiding. Gently kind of saying Were any something. doctors mean to you? No, I don't think so. I don't know of any. Um, no, I don't no. think so. Because a lot of nurses talk about, maybe in the surgical field, of doctors yeah. being mean, saying weird things. Well, the, doctor, the surgical ones are, um, you know, they sh they're, they're, under, they're going under, take, putting you under a knife. Yeah, I, I could see where they can be a little, you know, mean, have it their way, their only way, and they deserve it. I mean, the neural guys, oh yeah, they deserve going into the brain and on somebody's brain. Yeah, I, you would I would never take that personally because it's like the way they are, the way their makeup, you know, outside of that, or, outside of that, they're probably, they're really nice people. The one surgeon I just adore was terrific, but yeah, he was, you know, they want it right, they want it right. Sure. You have to do it right. Fair. So. Okay. Well, Ginny, it's been a fun 10 years. <laughs> I aged. Thank you for making it fun. Oh, Michael, thank you, honey. It, it was, was fun. It's really fun. We had fun. And I learned a lot from you, so I appreciate you. Oh, well, that's very sweet. Yeah. Sad that you're retiring, though. Uh, Are we going to have a big party? I don't think so. I'm going to try and make it a big party. Oh, I'm going to invite all the YouTube people to come. Oh, that's pretty funny. That'd be funny. <laughs> You'd like it. I bet. Yeah. All <laughs> as right. long as we play some good old rock and roll. We'll play rock and roll. We'll all get you white brothers. Russians. We'll get you whatever you want. Uh, play the Grateful Dead, white Russians, the Allman Brothers. <laughs> what else? Okay. All my deal. Springsteens. Yeah. Back in the day. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing your story, Jenny. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you, Michael. You're so sweet. Yay. <laughs> wow. Jenny is absolutely a character, such a sweet woman, has given so much of herself to the field, to me, and to all of you throughout this podcast. So if you enjoyed it, please do give this five stars because it means the world 
for us to get a five-star review. It helps the podcast grow, allows new users to find it. I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed it. And as always, stay happy and healthy.